guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Well, I just woke up from a cookout-induced nap. Oh, so it's, it's, a bl- it's a blessed state of being. roaring and ready to go. Yeah, I feel like uh, cookout shakes especially, it's sort of like just being injected with like the emotion goop from Ghostbusters 2. And it's like suddenly you feel very just like, and you just fall asleep and your bones are heavy. And then eventually you sort of like wake up. You don't know where you are. Your mouth tastes vaguely like coconut. And it's it's wonderful. I miss cookout. So the cookout mascot is a cookout shake. (laughs) As it should be. Actually, I want (laughs) like arms and legs and a big old mouth. It's just like a styrofoam cup just fucking up the environment. <laughs> Honestly, that's a that right there is capitalism.png because it's a shake selling you other shakes to consume. Like he's the pitch man and he's <laughs> he's selling out his gelatinous dairy brethren uh to consumers. Like as long as he can keep himself out of the line of fire. Like no one's eaten Mr. Cookout. That's your. No, they're, they're eating his sons, <laughs> his terrible, terrible sons. His terrible sons that he hates and wants you to drink. Uh, honestly, cookout. Uh, I feel like now. All right, so regional burger fights. I I feel like so as a uh, resident of Los Angeles for the last Jesus almost six years. Um, I feel some kind of way about the uh, the In and Out Burger discourse. Because here's the thing, I fucking love In and Out. I feel like uh, people are contrarian about In and Out because they, they, it's. I feel like the the popular thing is to be like, whatever. In and Out's not even that good. That's that's bullshit. In and Out is fucking great. I've never had In and Out because I've never been to your coast. Oh man, I honestly uh, and eaten with. Here's the thing: if and when you come to LA, which also they've got podcast festivals here, so I would at some point like. If we could go to one of those and do a live rank and vile show, that would be delightful. If you come to Los Angeles, that is the fir- there is there is an In and Out right next to LAX, like right the fuck there, so that you don't even have to wait to cram your mouth full of burger. Um, and it's wonderful. Like honestly, uh, In and Out apparently also treats its employees really, really well. Like oh, that's good news. Yeah, they've got really good labor practices, and they. Yeah, which I, you know what, the bar is too low, but fuck it, I'm really pleased that In-N-Out Burger treats their employees well. So Ryan, what did you get for Christmas? For Christmas, uh, I, <laughs> uh, my mom asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I was like, tattoo money? So <laughs> she literally just sent me a hundred dollars and was like, buy yourself something pretty, like go, go get tattooed. Um, so that's that's it's pretty much I got that. Uh, I got, uh, what else did I get? Books? I got books. What did you get? So, uh, Ian hooked me up with some grand old ghoul shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got me an Overlook Hotel tote bag. Oh, shit. That looks so, like, classy, and only people that look at it go, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is it the is it the, the, the carpet pattern from the Overlook? No, it's like an actual, like a postcard style visit the Overlook <laughs> Hotel. Oh my god, I, that's that's dope as hell. I remember uh, that's one of my favorite bits of uh, Riverdale is 
the episode in season two where they're all over at uh, Veronica Lodge's family's cabin, and it's like, and she has Overlook carpet pillows. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. And like, that show is so fucking good. That was a very horny episode in the midst of a very horny season of a very horny show, and they were just like, you know what? And then they murdered a man in the woods. <laughs> the fact that you can like look at the show Riverdale and be like, remember that episode where Jughead mutilates a woman in the woods with a knife? Based on the Archie comics, like it's. Hey, remember that time Jughead carved a woman's flesh <laughs> off her arm? Hey, remember? Hey, remember that time Betty did a sexy strip tease to a cover of Mad World at her boyfriend's Dark Betty <laughs> at her boyfriend's father's sexy retirement party for bikers. Man, I love. I honestly, I need to. Uh, I need to get back into Riverdale and fin- start start watching season three, mostly because. Season two, I don't think it stuck the landing on a lot of things. Like, for example, Archie being a Pinkerton. <laughs> like, <laughs> being a strike breaker and, like, the gang flirts with fascism. Pretty weird. But I feel like, you know, they, they kind of try riding the ship by the end of the, the season, but it's still like, you know what? Archie's a dipshit. I buy that he's like, hey, my dad got shot and maybe fascism's good now. And that's his character. Oh man, he's. I love how much. So uh, I'm fairly caught up, uh, and I love just how Archie will fuck up every episode, and I'll just keep watching, and yes. I'll just keep looking at my awful, awful boy <laughs> and his beautiful body. Yeah, it's amazing. Like honestly, KJ Appa, I, I think is the the actor's name. Like he. I think he understands the character of Archie very well because, like, this is the guy who looks at, like an like an ISIS propaganda video and goes, "Hey, these guys have some good points. We should help them out." Like, he is the most easily led uh, dipshit in in the entire world. And then, in the midst of that, it's fucking uh, Twin Peaks nine hundred two one zero because his dad is Luke Perry and Mad Chainamic is there as Alice Cooper. Ugh. Man, I'm so excited for you to get caught up oh, because, uh, slight spoiler, uh, Archie and Jughead go on the lamb and call themselves Biff and Butch. What? <laughs> Quincy, what? Oh, fuck. What am I? Why am I not caught up? Honestly, you know what it is? I think I tried watching uh, Chilling Tales of Sabrina and went, Ugh. And just kind of pieced out for a minute. Did, did you see any? How do you not like Chilling Tales of Sabrina? You know what it is? Chilling Tales of Sabrina, I think it's that I watched that first episode. It's joyless in a way I can't abide. Like, Oh, man, I, I love it mm-hmm. so much. So, so actually, here we go. Why? So, um, so pitch me on why I should uh, keep watching Chilling Tales of Sabrina. So, I think it takes... Chilling Tales of Sabrina is the same so robert um the showrunner for archie Mm -hmm. riverdale is the showrunner for chilling tales of sabrina right and what he's done is he's taken the weird nostalgia turned on its ear of archie Mm -hmm. and turned it up to 11 and poured a bunch of uh, bolt thrower and obituary records in a blender (laughs) (laughs) wait do they do they play bolt thrower no, no, oh, that's okay. just, I was trying to think of, like, 
generic death metal band. See, that's which you're correct. Bolt Thrower is the most generic death metal band. Although honestly, <laughs> I've been on a death metal kick lately, so I heard I heard me too. Yay! My my mind to your mind. It, it's probably like a Scorpio thing where we 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 go through seasons. I think, and you're just yes. like um. Yeah, honestly, Bolt Thrower, uh, they came on my Spotify playlist, and I was kind of like, this is, this is like the Sheryl Crow of death metal. Like, this is what you put on at a party for metalheads, and it's not going to alienate anybody, and it's like, yeah, this is, yeah, this, this is fine, you can put that on. So, let's talk about our first movie this week. Oh. I'm so excited oh. to talk about this. Oh, fuck yes. All right, all right. 2018's Venom. Yes! Yeah! All right, so, oh, holy shit, Venom 2018. So, can I start with the toughest question of all? Here at Rank of Vile, we pull no punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, investigative journalism. Is it journalism. gay enough? I would say it is exactly as gay as I wanted it to be. That is to say, See, real gay. I want it to be more. I don't mm-hmm. know if... I think I just want the kissing scene to be the whole movie. Oh, man. Now, I recognize you can't, you know, as a, as a man who just ate cookout for dinner, <laughs> too much of a good thing can be too much and unhealthy, but I guess I need Sony to save me from myself because I just want Eddie and Venom to kiss each other <laughs> for two hours. Honestly, that's my favorite preface to anything now is, as a man who just ate cookout, like, <laughs> Follows is about to be a fucking journey. Um, yeah, I would agree. Like, that kissing scene, I love that. All right, all right. So we should uh, give a quick uh, plot synopsis for those of our listeners who may not have had the distinct uh, pleasure of seeing Venom 2018. Um, okay, so plot synopsis. Riz Ahmed is a... Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Uh, he brings a spaceship back to Earth with the grossest goop aliens I have seen committed to film. Oh, they are they ever. are they are fucking they are ripe, these these, these goopsters. I have sat through the incredible melting man and body, <laughs> body melt yeah. and and fucking um, street trash mm-hmm. and the goopster symbiotes in this movie turn my stomach. Agree. There's it's it's kind of like uh somebody animated a pot full of vermicelli and it's just like it's it's like if you could imagine. All right, imagine throwing a, a handful of black spaghetti at the wall, and it sticks, but then it starts glooping down the wall like a wacky wall walker, and that's the venom symbiote. It's the worst. It's, it's but also the best. Oh, it's great, honestly. And this is uh, I feel like this is one of the things that Spider Man Three uh, got right for me is the way the Venom symbiote is animated in that. It's basic, like, the way it's animated in this is basically a more technically adept version of the way they animated it in Spider-Man 3. Um, yeah. It's, it's fucking great. So, yeah, so, uh, so Riz Ahmed uh, is basically Shmielan Schmusk, and he brings back the goop, and it kills uh, an astronaut named Jameson, which those of you who are also giant uh, comic nerds, obviously that's J. Jonah Jameson's son, who's a, he's a goddamn hero astronaut, but he, he dies in, like, three seconds in this movie moon wolf <laughs> yeah wait what was oh wait what was was it you know moon wolf wait right? was it moon wolf or man wolf no moon wolf is is J. jonah jameson he's bitten by a wolf on the moon <laughs> so he turns into a super space werewolf 
Quincy, I fucking love comics. Like, comic books are so bitten by. Great. This sounds like a Danzig lyric. Bitten by a wolf on the moon. Bitten by a wolf, wolf on, on the moon. The moon. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, I, actually, there's. Which, by the way, side note here. Um, have you seen the video of Glenn Danzig uh, excitedly showing off his book collection back in the day? Yes, it's on the um, the mother tape, oh. which we need to. Uh, we definitely need to rank yeah. the mother tape for for rank and vile. Yeah, and like, and the video is just Glenn Danzig like uh, holding up books and being like, "Yeah, this is a this is a book full of full of real werewolf stories. There there's a story in here about a a guy who walks out of the woods with a baby in his mouth. It's pretty cool. And it's just like <laughs> he's like a little kid who is so excited to show you his werewolf books, and it's it's great. Um, so Jane Jonah Jameson's kid dies like immediately in this, and the symbiote. Um, th- all along there was like a, a, a Nostromo thing where Rizamed, like the whole point of this mission was to bring back the symbiote and those aboard the craft were just like grists for the mill and yeah. the so the symbiote he uh, starts Rizamed he, he starts from bunnies and goes to people in like three seconds he's like well we glooped these goopsters onto a bunny and the fucker died so i guess let's round up some folks and so apparently the symbiote um only like it has to be an exact match like you have to be uh soulmates basically basically you have to be fucky tom hardy so (laughs) tom hardy is Eddie Brock, investigative journalist. He's basically uh, a vice journalist correspondent. And he goes to interview Riz Ahmed. Mm -hmm. And uh, because he pisses him off, Riz Ahmed literally says, have a nice life. And then proceeds to implode eddie brock's life it's it's incredible and now here's the thing all right so eddie brock is like a uh, he's like a a hard-hitting journalist like imagine um you know those uh uh charlie kirk type guys who sort of go around with like large stupid microphones and they're like hey how does it feel to be a baby killer and they just like repel through the ceiling to yell at people that's basically what tom hardy does he's like a, he's like a, a real in-your-face uh journalist now and side note here. But also the biggest chicken shit. Like, the oh, yeah. movie really makes a point of showing how shitty Eddie Brock is because mm-hmm. he immediately loses his hot girlfriend, Michelle Williams. He immediately loses his job, and he just does nothing but mopes yeah. and lets the bodega owner uh get wrong yeah so, so and, yeah and, and just didn't do also anything. broke dick dog tom hardy how would you describe his accent in this in this motion picture <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is it it's this whole movie is let's get an entire cast of british actors <laughs> and put them in a room together uh-huh. but don't let them speak in their natural <laughs> accents yeah it's incredible i was watching this movie so here's how good of an accent riz ahmed had mm-hmm. i was watching this movie as like where the fuck is riz ahmed um i watched this on amazon and it has the x-ray and it's like it says he's in this scene but i do not see him <laughs> because i'm not i'm used to 
every time I picture Riz Ahmed, he's in um, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So he's got, like, scruff and long, stringy hair. Yeah. And a really thick accent. Which, side, side note, Rogue One rules. Uh, I'm, yeah. I am I hated it the first time I saw it and then realized that I was wrong. And I think that's... Yeah, a... you're really wrong. Oh, it's yeah. It's a great movie. Oh, it's a great fucking movie. Um, But, yeah, like, Riz Ahmed, his accent is flawless. Now, Tom Hardy's accent as Eddie Brock, I would describe it as, like, Poughkeepsie by way of Cleveland... Or yeah, it's weird. Possibly... And a little Brooklyner uh, in there just to yeah. like make it fun. Yeah, he's like a he sounds like a like a Texas newsie. <laughs> yeah, he's like it's just sort of like he'll be like, yeah, I'm an investigative journalist. Like he sounds um like he's either having a stroke or is like trying to chew a gobstopper while impersonating Humphrey Bogart. It's flawless, and I love him, and I love this movie. Uh, and he so. The thing is, he gets shit canned and loses his his girlfriend because, or is it his wife? It's his fiance. Okay, the fiance. It, that's but you know, also that's the he point. is. Um, have you noticed his? Did you notice Eddie's promise ring in this movie? I did on his uh, on his little finger. Yeah, it's important because later that is revealed to be his promise ring for Venom, because <laughs> it. There is a moment where he's, like, lying uh, in peril, and the camera zooms in on that ring, mm-hmm. and Venom's like, I'll never let you go, Eddie, and comes and helps him out. Yes. Uh, honestly, this is... Oh, man. I feel like I. you're exactly right. I wanted at least 3,000% more gay fucking between Tom Hardy and the Venom suit. Uh, the Venom suit finds Tom Hardy because... Uh, so... Tom Hardy, who's the the hard-hitting journalist, um, so he's the dumbest boy in second grade, and he, uh, break, he, like, hacks into his girlfriend's email? Yeah, to, to expose Riz Ahmed, and then he gets fired, but Jenny Slate, who is an absolute delight in this movie, Mm -hmm. is the conflicted scientist who's like, I started because we were doing science, but now we're doing mad science, and I don't (laughs) like it. So, Jenny Slate lets Tom Hardy into this lab, and then shit goes wrong, and he bonds with Venom. Yeah, yeah, and he, what's also incredible uh, incredible about him losing his job uh, at the, uh, gritty journalism company is he so he shows up to elon musk uh basically and it's supposed to just be like a like a puff piece like he's just supposed to be like oh look at this visionary who's the best at build stuff and tom hardy rolls up on riz Ahmed and just goes like hey how does it feel to be a fucking murderer and riz Ahmed is like this interview is over i'm gonna ruin your life and then he does um, and yeah. you get this great moment of uh, Tom Hardy. Now he shows he, he's he's at a bar getting drunk, uh, at, which also you look at that face. He like he looks like an extra from the Iceman Cometh. Of course, this hangdog motherfucker is at the bar getting hammered, and this guy goes, "Hey, ain't you Eddie Brock?" And he goes, "I used to be." <laughs> it's like. Hold. No, you're still the same. That's your legal name, my dude. Yeah, you continue to... Unfortunately, you're still Eddie Brock. Um, and so, yeah, so he, he sneaks his way into the, the Elon Musk compound and uh, gets uh, envenomed. So the symbiote uh, gloms onto him and decides that they're in love now, because they are. And... So they go. What? What? Uh, I don't. We're we're not doing it justice. We are not. The love between Venom and Eddie. It's it's. I I can't put my finger on it, but it's 
just the most gay thing ever. Yeah, and now it's... In the most transcendently wonderful way. Uh, they... It's incredible because they... So Venom and Tom Hardy are both, it is revealed, kind of losers. Like, Venom, in a moment of uh, vulnerability between uh, an invading body and um, Tom Hardy, who is a literal dog, but also a man, um, Venom is like, Hey, bro, um, listen, you're you're a real piece of shit and you're useless, but it's cool because I'm also like the asthmatic kid on my home planet. I'm also a dipshit, and so together we make up uh, a super dipshit, and that's yeah. that's love. That's love. Like this is a this is a romance. Now, all right. So uh, the kissing scene in Venom. There is a bit where his fiance, who he's still being a fucking weird creep to post, because once she finds out that he betrayed her and hacked into her email, she is gone, and. So he sort of shows. Well, she gets fired from her job because crazy Riz Ahmed literally hits the implode button, and she's like, <laughs> "Fuck you! You ruined my career." Yeah, he he did ruin her career, and so he show he kind of shows back up at now. There's a guy uh, I forget the actor's name. He plays Dan on Veep, um, and he is uh, her uh, new dude after Tom Hardy fucks the couch and loses everything. And a thing that this movie does that I love so, so much is that the guy that plays Dan on Veep, um, uh, his name is also Dan in this motion picture, which makes it easy to remember. Um, this movie averts a thing that I wish more movies would avert, which is Tom Hardy does not hate Dan. He, Dan's a nice guy. He seems like a stand-up dude. And he, like, he knows that he completely fucked up his last relationship. So he's like, he still misses her and there's still something there. But he's not like, if it wasn't for this guy, I'd be back with the fiance whose life I ruined. Um, and Dan is just a nice guy who's a doctor and wants to help Tom Hardy, who is experiencing some goopy difficulties in his life. Yeah, so the whole movie, Venom can talk to Eddie and only Eddie can hear him mm -hmm. and venom sounds like a um ollie's brand kevin michael richardson <laughs> yeah honestly all i could think the entire time was like i know what you are say it out loud a dracula like <laughs> venom is it, it's just the entire now have you seen the cut of this or not the cut of this but like somebody edited it uh, a clip from this where you only hear what people around Eddie Brock hear, which is fucking silence and him fucking talking to himself. And That's it's great. And it's going, nah, because it's, no. it's insane. But so um, it's, it's basically you get the whole, the entirety of Upgrade, but not as good. Oh, yeah. Where Eddie discovers, oh, I can kick a bunch of people's asses. Mm-hmm. And it's Venom. And then I think what makes it the the most romantic is literally it comes to a point where the Earth is going to end. Mm -hmm. And Venom says, actually, I'm going to save the planet. Mm -hmm. And Eddie says, why? And Venom says, because you live on this planet. Uh, yeah, they they love each other. Uh, it's And Eddie is like... You know, does the here? It, it's basically like this movie is just every other moment from other good movies where he's like, "You got to get away from me. I don't want to be with you anymore." Yeah, where it's like and the Harry way and the Venom gets back. Yeah, the way Venom gets back is he dresses up 
Eddie's girlfriend and they have a passionate kiss, which is just a way for Venom <laughs> to wrap himself back around Eddie. There's a reasonable explanation for this. Uh, and, and now, his, his as Lady Venom... Um, this, you know what Lady Venom... Stacked oh, Lady Venom. Oh, she, she thick. Honestly, Lady Venom, uh, you know that weird tendency with horror dudes where they're like, hey, what if I did a drawing or a sculpture of, like, a sexy pinhead or a sexy Freddy Krueger where it's like a lady Freddy Krueger and it's like, no, no, you know, she's not scarred or grotesque or any of that, but she is wearing, like, a torn, a strategically torn... Uh, red and green sweater, and I have a butt, and she's got like a hat or whatever. That's basically Lady Venom, or it's just like fucky fuckable Venom. That's just what. Yeah, I mean, Venom is fuckable Venom. Oh, but I, oh, I yeah. see what you're saying. Oh yeah, and so and, and honestly, and uh, a lot of I, it's weird. <sighs> a lot of my friends are super into the monster fucking elements of this of this movie, and so I get it. I get this. What I don't get is recently I discovered a website, which they, they ain't getting free advertising. I'm not going to name it. Mm-hmm. But they make monster toys, and including a um, Freddy Krueger dildo. Oh, with no. With, like, screen... It's, it's like a burnt flesh <laughs> dildo, but the base has, like, awful... Butter faces just like in that one freddy movie where he tears his shirt off and there's like all the faces in his chest so you're you're saying it's like ribbed for her pleasure where it's just like the freddy scar tissue yeah yeah Yeah, do you ever you ever hear a thing and you think to yourself you know what if the bomb drops and we all die Maybe that's we've earned it. Maybe that's for the best. Like, but I mean, we get the lows of the lows, and then the highs of the highs being Venom. Oh yeah, well, and Venom especially. Now, uh, Venom. Pretty much when anybody thinks of Venom, they think, oh, tongue, right? The big fucking prehensile. Now, back in the day, as a as a wee bairn, I was obsessed with Spider Man, and I think it was that Spider Man cartoon on Fox Kids back in the day. Yeah, the one with the uh, very bad CGI um, cityscapes. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, and also the uh, if you've not heard the theme from the 1994 Spider Man cartoon. I'm begging you to look it up, because it's just literally... It's the 60s theme with the share auto-tune <laughs> over it. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's, the lyrics are Spider-Man, 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 Spider-Blood, Spider-Blood, Radioactive Spider-Blood. That's the lyric. And it's just like, Spider-Man. And anyway, <laughs> um, what, 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 am I, what am I getting at here? Oh, this is a very horny film. Also, the quantity of people Venom eats mm-hmm. in a PG in this PG thirteen movie. So many people are decapitated, yeah. including a transcendent moment where uh, Vanessa Williams goes, "Oh my god, I just ate that guy's head off." <laughs> Honestly, I love any moment of lampshading like that, where it's like, "Oh fuck, I just decapitated a guy with my mouth!" Like just <laughs> having a terrible day. And so, um, Riz Ahmed. Uh, also gets his own symbiote because of because now if you've ever seen a superhero movie you know that because they are rivals they have to be like opposite venoms uh it's like incredible hulk where it's got to be like the abomination versus the hulk and so riz Ahmed, um becomes riot which all of now in the night all right so in the 90s there was because venom rules and everybody l- likes venom because venom is cool 
uh, in the 90s, there was a glut of symbiotes where they were just like, they all had to have names like 80s metal guitarists. So it's like Riot and Lasher and Venom and Kill. There was a sexy lady Venom in that series, too. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. What's uh, what's her name? Uh, sexy lady. Sexy. Venom. I don't remember. <laughs> so many sexy. I think Venom. it was Slash with a bunch of different with a bunch of S's. Oh, Scream. Scream. There her we name go. Was Scream. It was actually XX Scream XX with like the capital <laughs> X. Uh, and so Riot was one of those, and he's you know a sort of minor symbiote that uh, I think this movie elevates because it's like what if Rizamed was uh now all right now here's the thing that I love, uh it's revealed that Riot. The, the symbiote that turns Rizamed into the conglomerate being Riot, uh, it's revealed by uh, the Venom symbiote that back on the home planet, this guy was basically a jock. Like, this guy was the fucking big man on campus, cock of the walk guy. He, he says he's a team leader, which now, when he calls him a team leader, all I can picture is like a middle management symbiote who's just, yeah. you know, yeah, he's got the clip-on tie, and... So it's sort of an underdog thing where, like, even though Venom is ripped as hell and full of murder and is basically a Gundam made of goop, um, Riot is bigger and stronger. Yeah, and and they fight, and there's, like, a valiant sacrifice, and honest to God, I cried <laughs> yes! in this movie. Same, same. I also cried because they love each like, Venom and Eddie love each other so much. Um, they, man, I, you know what, uh, where I, I, I used to live next to this place that had a billboard for Venom when it was in theaters, and I remember just seeing that and going, oh, that's gonna be a piece of shit, and here's the thing. But it's, like, the perfect piece of shit, like, yes. it is, dear listener, this movie is trash, mm-hmm. but it works. Yeah, it's, it's garbage, but also, as, now, as a man who's just eaten cookout, would you say... <laughs> You know, consuming garbage, it's a necessary and good part of being alive. And this movie, now, it's not a good movie, but... No, it, by no means. Well, and It has an Eminem tie-in rap about Venom, being Venom and Venom. eating people. I, honestly, the problem is that, like, yeah, I, that, we were, uh, I was watching it with Christina and Sarah, and we, like, you know, we all fucking adored it, and we're, like, pumping our fists at the end, like, yeah! And then uh, it got to the Eminem rap over the credits, and we're all kind of like... Ew, uh, there's half an hour left on this. You want to? Yeah, let's fast forward and see what else is on. Because we saw initially at the at the top of the thing, it's like, oh shit, an hour and fifty minutes for for Venom. Okay, all right, let's take this hell ride. And then it, it is a, a, a cool hour and a half, right? And yeah. then there's credits, and then it gets to a uh, stinger where Eddie, uh, who apparently is a journalist again. He gets his job back because he <laughs> killed his rival. <laughs> so after he kills his rival and all is forgiven, and they're like, "Oh, even though you breached the most basic, like the most basic uh, parts of journalistic integrity and personal uh, uh, ethics," uh, he gets his job back. Apparently, and he's uh, he goes to a prison where wherein is encased. Woody Harrelson in the worst red wig I have ever... Holy shit, it's bad. <laughs> it's it's the worst red wig I've ever had the absolute pleasure to, to see uh, in a movie. And he, you know, I, immediately I saw the person and I was like, oh, fuck, I hope they... And then they cut, and then it's like guy in red wig, and I'm like, yes! And then Woody Harrelson looks at the camera and goes, 
there's gonna be carnage. And I'm like, and like my soul left my body. I was, I was so happy. Like, honestly, I hope they make a million Venom sequels. These movies are, like, this movie was garbage, and I'm going to watch it so many more times. See, it's so wild because I watched this and The Predator back to back, and I have such whiplash in loving a big dumb movie so much and hating a big dumb movie so much. And they're pretty much like, in many ways, they're the same because they pull the same bullshit over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the thing is that when, when Venom... All right. So I was wondering if Venom was hastily recut or something because it... All right. So when it first... When the trailer for it first dropped... Um, I was one of many people on Twitter clowning it and going like, well, this looks like a piece of shit. Uh, because it did. It looks very, very bad. And I think what they... Uh, suddenly you're getting all these rumors about uh, the shooting of Venom where it's like Tom Hardy, who... Now, he... Eddie Brock in this film and Tom Hardy's portrayal of him is legitimately fucking great. He is the most relatable superhero I have ever seen because he looks like a pile of laundry and it gets worse. Like, he just kind of doesn't know what he's doing and he's trying his best, but he's just a piece of shit and he can't get it together. And um, apparently all of the, the, like, there were rumors of Tom Hardy on set where he was just, like, in a scene <clears throat> with a lobster tank and apparently Tom Hardy looked at it and went, oh, I'm going in that. And they're like, what? what? And he's like, no, I'm, I don't know how or why. I'm getting in that lobster tank, so figure it out, all right? I'm, I'm going in that. And then apparently they accommodated it, where they're just like, all right, Tom Hardy wants to go in the lobster tank. I guess we got to make that happen. Yeah, it, it's so wild because we're about to talk about The Predator, and that is such an <laughs> example of hastily recut to its detriment Are, but this does not seem i think the best thing that sony did was twitter said fucky venom and then they said yeah we meant to do that and then they doubled down on the advertising and were like hey you know who'd be a good boyfriend venom <laughs> hey chinese market yeah date venom yeah yeah you know what it is the shape of water came out and they were like apparently everybody wants to fuck monsters that can be lucrative <laughs> like the venom symbiote and, and like the the tongue kissing scene where he just like the big snaky tongue gets in all up in tom hardy's mouth and climbs inside his body i feel like you could do a double feature of this and nightmare on elm street part two now the question i initially had before i watched venom was well wait a goddamn minute how does that qualify as a horror movie here's why the makers of this film love David Cronenberg so much. Oh, yeah. The body horror in Venom is legitimately outstanding. Like, they're, like I don't know if it's just a synthesis of the effects and the CG. Um, bodies do some real weird shit. And so a lot of the body movements that Tom Hardy has, I think he's a really underrated physical actor because he gives you yeah. the impression of... Again, a, a stoner in a drug rug who has been possessed by the spirit of Bruce Lee. Where his body is jerking around, he's just like, and he's, you know, getting in fights with goons, and it's like he doesn't know what he's doing, but the symbiote does. Um, this is a movie about vulnerability and bodily autonomy. Yeah. Um, and it's, Man, it's good. Oh, it's so good. And there's a bit of this movie where... Um, so throughout, uh, throughout the first two acts of the film... Uh, Venom is the voice inside Tom Hardy's head. And then in the third act of the film, right before the final showdown, 
Tom Hardy is the voice inside Venom's head. Where Venom is the one talking with his mouth and and Eddie Brock is the one talking on the inside and this movie is simultaneous. I don't I can't decide if this movie is actually smart in the ways that I think it's smart or if it just accidentally happens to be really good. I can't figure it out either because it really does feel like it it has no right to be as good as it is. Like, is it yeah. all just a happy accident? I don't care. Let's rank it. It's so good. <laughs> Agree. So, uh, all right. So comparable films. Let's start with... Upgrade. Upgrade. Yeah, thank you. Um, Same year. Not, it's not as good as Upgrade because Upgrade mm. pulls the... The whole time I watched Venom, I said, oh, Upgrade did this, but with more aplomb. Agree. Um, and Upgrade, I think, also... Uh, I love the twist at the very, very end of Upgrade when you realize why all of this has been happening. Oh, and, yeah. And I feel like Upgrade is maybe about a thing in a way that Venom absolutely is not and which I value it for. Now, big, dumb, stupid movies, mm -hmm. right under Upgrade is Riccio. Ooh, ooh, all right. I would give the edge to Riccio, I think. Yeah, I. that is... Now, don't get me wrong. There are times I almost turned the Predator off to rewatch Venom. <laughs> I yeah. think I'm gonna watch Venom before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> it's so it's so fucking good. Um, and I think this is my new leave on in the background while I do housework movie. Oh yeah, honestly, this is a movie that I feel like uh, you know the 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 sort of fridge horror thing where you know you don't really think about the aspect of like you don't think about uh, an aspect of the thing until much later, where you're like it's three in the morning and you're opening the fridge to like drink a, a you know a thing of milk and then you're like oh fuck and you realize a thing about what you've just watched that's horrifying in retrospect. I feel like I keep thinking of things I love about this movie just I like throughout my day. Like earlier today, I was at Coffee Bean and I was getting a drink. And as I was, as I was, as, as I was walking out, I was like, the fucking sound editing in Venom. Like they every time that it sort of goes in on the symbiote or like it does these little t like s slow zooms on the symbiote. There's this there's this little like wom 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 like it's. And it's so effective. I don't. There's there's some kind of dumb dumb magic on this movie. Um, and I feel like yeah. And also, it's revolutionary because it is one of the first movies uh, where the product placement of the character is designed. You know, um, Junior Mints put a lot of money into the, <laughs> this film. Yeah, they did. Holy because shit. you look at Venom and you are compelled to just shovel Junior Mints <laughs> into your mouth. Much better than Seinfeld. Um, so between those, I feel like I want to give the edge to uh, Ricky O. Now, here's the thing. I do think this movie is better than The Devil's Rejects. Yes. Now, movies with some kind of dumb magic on them. Dark mm -hmm. City. Oh, is Dark yeah. City intentionally genius or did it just happen to be genius Ooh. and is venom intentionally genius or is it an accidental sort of genius? you know and these are comparable films because i feel like eddie brock as portrayed by tom hardy could easily be a character in dark city like some bowery bum who is just kind of like hey buddy like he just showing up um i feel like and dark... both are superhero movies ostensibly o ostensibly I, I feel like i would give the edge to venom because um the question of whether venom means to do what it does 
kind of doesn't matter in the way that it does with Dark City, because Dark City being a riff on noir and on uh, a bunch of different horror movies, like I feel like uh, Venom is better than that because when I think about it, I don't think, huh, well, that's certainly a movie. I'm just like, ah, fuck yeah, Venom! And it's just me like like punching the air and laughing. Um, so I feel like between those, I want to give the edge to Venom. Okay, so number 168 is 2018's Venom. Hell yeah. All right, now let's talk about... <sighs> you know what we've been doing? We've been holding... We've been uh, uh, gushing about how much we love Venom because we don't want to talk about uh, the new Predator movie from last Here's year. Here's what's frustrating, is that at its core, mm-hmm. this is a good movie that could have been amazing, but there is so much wrong with it, it's not good. Yeah, so wait, is the, is the full title The Predator? It is the Predator. The Predator. Okay. Oh, oh. The this Predator. is a Shane Black movie. Yeah, it is. And there are glimmers of it, like little hints that it was a better script, and a gajillion people did rewrites and reshoots and edits and just like chipped it away. Which is bizarre to me because I feel like at this point in his career, Shane Black should have basically final cut right like he gets to make the kind of movie he wants to make because he's the guy that did fucking lethal weapon and kiss kiss bang bang and the nice guys i i he's i'm a huge mark for shane black and i watching this movie made me wonder if my love of shane black was misplaced this movie is incoherent it's incoherent in an and in an aggressive way like it's aggre- it's it's uh incoherent in a way that makes me like now, there are lots of movies that are incoherent that I adore or and will watch because I'm just sort of um, fascinated or baffled by it. Oh, I'm a David Lynch nutswinger all the way. Oh, absolutely. And this movie is not perplexing in that way. It's just sort of like, wait, why? What? Why? Um, that predator dog has the same hairstyle as the predator. You know what? Why not? You know, I, this is now. And actually, and uh, why is it their friend now? What did they do to train him? Just it's he's fine. Did I miss an entire training montage? Why the fuck do the humans <laughs> just get to have a predator dog? Because predator dog is their friend now. All right. Um, side note here. That is the logic of this movie. Why? Because it would look good. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. So wait, what should the predator dog look like? And then there's like a silence that falls over the room and they're all like, mm, the predator. It should just be <laughs> the predator, but as a dog. Uh, and you know what movie I stand for that I'm really sad this movie didn't draw more inspiration from? Uh, Predators uh, from a few years ago. Wait. I was going to say <clears throat> any of the predator oh. movies from the franchise. Oh, yeah. I honestly... now. Predator, I've never been a big fan of the Predator franchise because it's bad, but I think the movie Predators, I liked a lot for a couple of reasons. One, Topher Grace. I like Topher Grace being in stuff. Uh, two, hey, who was Eddie Brock in <laughs> Spider-Man 3? Oh, there we go. Three degrees of separation there. Um, I, I so, That's why we picked these movies this week. <laughs> he's the connective tissue is Topher Grace. It's between, I love that movie because of him and because of Lawrence Fishburne as, like, a guy who got trapped on this planet full of predators and he's just, like, camped out in a hollowed out spaceship and he's had to become, like, a survivalist. And, like, this is Lawrence Fishburne. I'm sure he did all of his scenes in, like, a day 
and he's just having a ball doing this movie. And I thought that movie was kind of underrated. Like, it was pretty good. Um, this movie is... All right, so should we give a plot synopsis of The Predator? I guess, it, as best we can. <laughs> it's pretty... It's it's a mess, y'all. Mm-hmm. So, so, the movie starts with a sniper in an indeterminate year shooting a drug cartel drug dealer and then running into predators yeah which several predators which doesn't (sighs) why like aren't they sort of solitary hunters well it's later like five seconds explained with well this is a fugitive predator why is he a fugitive predator i don't remember i don't know (laughs) but it's like well big predator is hunting little predator so predators (laughs) i think that was actually the storyboard was just so predators um and yeah shane black it's a word that the more you say it the less it means yeah predators yeah uh shane black who was of course in the original predator as a character whose name exists. Uh, I Now, all right, so last year um, I went with uh, Josh Danger and Christina to a Shane Black double feature of uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Have you seen The Long Kiss Goodnight? It is on the top of my uh, to-watch list. Oh, my God. Quincy, if you like Venom, you would love The Long Kiss Goodnight. There, all right, I'm, I'm not going to uh, give anything away about the plot of the film except to tell you that there is a scene where Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson jump out of a, out of a building over uh, a bunch of ice with a machine gun, and they shoot a hole in the ice while they're falling so that they fall through the ice. And so, it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I love The Long Kiss Goodnight so much. But so obviously, like, I love Shane Black, and I feel like I don't... I'm frustrated because this movie could have been good. Yes, it could have been good, but either... I think of all of the rewrites, there were not enough rewrites to say, hey, that's a really dumb idea, Shane Black, don't do that. Right. And it was just, like, more dumb ideas on top of it. So yeah. so the elephant in the room is there is a character with ASD, mm-hmm. and he is the most offensive stereotype to the detriment of the entire film. Yeah, it's harmful. Like It it's... is a regressive, yeah, harmful stereotype. A the bullies at this child's school literally call him Asperger. Yeah, they and oof. this kid is literally I'm you know stereotypical genius of predators, but bad at everything else, which is not a accurate depiction of anyone yeah, on the ASD. Yeah, yeah, the the magical ASD thing where it's like where it's like yeah. you're like Will Graham or something where you can like. Uh, I think uh, Community riffed on that with uh, Abed, where it was making fun of that trope, where, like, if you're on the spectrum, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got superpowers, jerk-off motion. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so, so offensive. Yeah, and, the, and, and... And it really... I think that's one of the reasons it kind of ruined the film for me. Yeah, it put a bad because fucking it's, taste. Because it's, it's so integral to the plot, because... Okay, the big spoiler 
is the predator is hunting this child because he's the ultimate prey because autism is the next step in human evolution, which is the most armchair philosophy. If you take a giant rip off this bong, if you think about it, man, <laughs> like, yeah, fuck off oh, with that. Jesus. And even if that is like a legitimate line of like, well, there is a increased, like, it's bad science. Right. But two, it's just like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Why couldn't they just make this child a, a linguist whiz, ditch all of the offensive stereotypes of him holding his ears and being afraid of dogs and not talking to his mom? And like stemming. Yeah, and, and instead just say, like, we have so many kids on bikes movies of the 80s where you have just kid geniuses. Mm -hmm. I mean, the 80s was the decade where children could hack into uh, nuclear Please. warhead computers to play chess. Why can't we just textually have someone who's just a good, you know, a kid that's smart? He doesn't, ha and he can be coded mm -hmm. ASD without being a thing um, and not be offensive. Yeah, the 80s was Moppet City. Like, that was a precocious fucking decade. And I feel like it's conditioned us to like, look, we could easily just have a character who, and now honestly, what it is, doing, pulling that bullshit in the year of our Lord Arn, Arn Anderson 2018 with uh, being autistic gives you superpowers. A thing that... I feel like that's one of those things where you put that in a movie, right? You're Shane Black or whoever, and, and you want to put that plot point in there. And I'm sure that somebody, at some point of the process, must have sort of taken them aside and been like, buddy, this is fucking mad offensive. Like, you cannot put this in the movie. And I'm sure that they were like, well, I don't know what anybody yeah. would be mad about because we're saying that it's like the next step in evolution and that makes them more evolved than other people. He's a hero. He's going to be a character that people are going to identify with. No, yeah. Drax is a character that people <laughs> look up to. Yeah, just him like, oh, that must be so embarrassing. Do me, do me. Like, that's absolutely. Uh, and, and this one, it's not relatable. And it's also like, yeah, this character's entire thing is that he's autism. Like, you've reduced this character to that purely for the fucking reveal that, actually, if you think about it, autism is the next step in human evolution. And it's like, no, this movie has not earned that because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. On top of that stereotype, you have a bus full of soldiers with post-traumatic stress. Oh, oh, oh boy. As if Shade Black was like, mm, I'm gonna double down on this. <laughs> you know what? You know what really needs uh, commenting on in this Predator film? It's PTSD. Um, God damn! I, you know, if you're gonna comment on on anything, don't do it in a Predator film. This franchise has always been really dumb and like fun. You know, I uh, Predator oh, Two and. The, the woods scene where Sterling oh. K. Brown is the villain and he gets the Predator gun and he, spoiler, kills himself with it on accident. <laughs> it rules. Like, that yeah. part of the movie is fucking great. The part where they just start chopping bits off of the Predator and he blows Dayglow, he bleeds Dayglow Green. Rules. Yeah. But that's ten minutes in a almost two-hour movie that is 
deeply offensive. Oof, it has no business being two hours. Like, this was, I would say, half an hour into watching The Predator, I saw that I had an hour and a half left, and I felt dread in my heart. Yeah, it's an hour and 47 minutes, but Ugh. it feels like it's five hours long. It's, and part of that yeah. is like... How bad is the editing? Where it's relative, it's a relatively short feature, but it just feels like it goes on for fucking ever, and it's still choppy, and people jump into scenes without any explanation. Well, and do, all right, so here's my question: Do I want to give Shane Black an out on this because I love his other movies? Because it's like I've got this thing where I want to be like, well. You know, I'm sure in development or, uh, you know, it, it, it got fucked up or maybe uh, it got passed around because it's a big flagship movie because they're like, well, OK, Shane Black, you know, we all love you and, and you're you're a great writer. But also this is the Predator. We've got a lot writing on this. So, you know, we need to, you know, this is a, a democratic process by which we're going to make this appeal to as many people as possible. It does have four screenwriting credits. Yeesh. Um, yeah, so you know the movie's probably not in the best hands when four people took a crack at the screenplay. I feel like he should have just Alan Smithied this shit. Honestly, like th- this should have. I this movie is is bad in a way that made me want to lie down afterward. But um, and but I watch you can, I watch this in the middle of the day. But you can see parts where you're like, oh, there he is. Like, yeah. Keegan-Michael Key's character, you're like, oh, okay, this is a Shane Black movie, cool. But, yeah. again, that, and, and even the offensive jokes, you're like, oh, Shane Black, you scamp, you, you're you so uh, uh, of a different time. He's, he's hmm. basically my pop-pop. Yeah, yeah, which, honestly, when I went to the, the Shane Black uh, double feature thing, and, and Shane Black was there, and he did a little uh, Q&A, and it was, it was great, because he... Now, at this point in his life, Shane Black is very tired. He's very... <laughs> he, Dad would like to take his shoes off and, uh, you know, sit on the porch. Like, he's um, used up and depressed and exhausted, but also Shane Black, so he's, you know, he's, he's delightful. But there was a moment where he was... He looked like he was going to start riffing on a sexual harassment joke... And then abandoned it halfway through and moved on. And I think that was one of those moments of like, oh, yeah, you're a screenwriter from the 80s, man. Like, you're you're a man out of time, I think. Yeah, for sure. And it's, yeah. And so maybe, you know, we don't need the guy who did Lethal Weapon to make fucking comments about people on the ASD spectrum. Yeah. Let's, let's rank this turd. What's worse, uh, <laughs> The Predator or The Devil's Rejects? Uh, Predator's worse. Devil's Rejects at least has that cool uh, closing scene. And also, I like Sid Haig, so that goes a long way for me. But yeah, I think Devil's Rejects is a little bit better. Okay, so Primica is a movie that is very good, but tainted by a very bad idea. Very transphobic, yeah. Being an excellent movie with... A really awful transphobic scene that ruins the whole thing. Yeah, and I is, feel like it's yeah. If the pre- if the predator did not comment on autism, would it still be a bad movie? It would. Yeah, I would. I would say yes because uh, it's in 2018. I don't know. Being um, uncritically 
into violence in a way that's just sort of like you have no idea what you're playing. It's like a kid playing with a machine gun where it's just like soldiers, PTSD, murder, and then peppered into there also is like weird statement on autism. And I feel like also, 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 the stinger should have been the movie. The final scene where they're like, oh, the predators gave us a predator killer. That's uh, armor that turns you into a predator. That should have been the fucking movie. Don't yeah. give me a stinger to the better movie. Give me a good movie. Oh, that's such a great point. I honestly, the, the stinger, I had assumed that it was going to be an alien insert into the, into the stinger. There were because... rumors that Ripley was going to be in the pod. Yeah, which, you know, sure. I, I, I a thing that, now I say this as somebody who, oddly enough, really likes Alien vs. Predator, the first one. Um, I don't understand why Alien gets grouped together with Predator so fucking much. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, they... they re- Alien is actually Dark Horse about... Comics. It's basically it's, yeah. Dark Horse <laughs> Comics. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing that gives us, like, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Like, it's... Uh, really, Alien, is actually, Alien yeah. versus Predator is the cranberry of uh, Fox franchises. It's, hey, you got a Judge Dredd comic book? Let's throw this in there. Yeah. No, you know what it, You know what it's like? Hey, uh, you got a Batman comic? We got two characters we want to throw in there with you. <laughs> I, well, you know what it's like is back in the day, uh, Terminator and RoboCop got grouped together a lot. Like there was supposed because to be because Robo- of Frank Miller's Terminator versus RoboCop versus RoboCop, yeah. And so they they had an SNES game that was RoboCop versus Terminator. Like, and these are properties that you're like, wait a goddamn minute. Like, fun James Cameron movie mashed up with satirical Paul Verhoeven movie. You totally. know how the fuck does that work? I would I would make some kind of joke, except I just uh, recently was playing Battletoads slash Double Dragon because that was a video game that was made and actually yeah. sold. Yeah, it was. Because in the '90s, you could just say these are two cool things, two great tastes. That <laughs> taste taste together, yeah. yeah, like 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 PTSD and ASD. You just put oh, them in a movie Jesus. and you try to mash them up because you're gonna do that, I guess. Okay, oh. so so oh, I'd say Primica is better because it's a functional film that has a yeah. bad idea in it. Yeah, yeah. Primica is a functional film about go uh, uh, evil ghosts haunting a karaoke machine, which love it, great. Uh, with with a, a, a scene that's transphobic that pulls me out of the movie and makes me go no before it goes back into the movie, where this movie sucking is so comprehensive and just deep into this film, like it just. The suck is, uh, it's coming from inside the house, and it's just, that's the entire film. I think, all right, so if we're going with films that are actively harmful, like, have, now, I don't know that this movie would would be harmful in the way that Sleepaway Camp was harmful for the time, because Sleepaway Camp was a lot of people's first exposure to the idea of trans people. Um, I think Sleepaway Camp still is a lot of people's first exposure To trans people. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's Hey, in, in the year true. of our Lord uh twenty eighteen, now twenty nineteen, you can purchase Sleepaway Camp Angela Light Switch covers where the light switch is Angela's penis. Waka waka. God everybody needs to get fucking get over Sleepaway Camp. But yeah. 
Sleepaway it Camp sucks. Yeah, it's it's very bad. Even aside from the transphobia, very bad movie. So which is worse, Sleepaway Camp or The Predator? Oh, again, it's like what is doing more harm. Sleepaway <laughs> right. Camp is coherently made. Yeah, it's it's a standard boilerplate slasher. Um, I would say, although it grieves me to say it, I think Sleepaway Camp is less harmful than this because Sleepaway Camp, it, at the very least, it's a it's a throwback at this point to a period when you could just bang out as many fucking slasher movies as you, you know, whatever. Uh, in a way that, like, I feel like for everything that we know now, this movie should, like, the Predator should know better. Yes, yes. We can excuse the errors of the past in a way that it's hard to excuse something that just came out. Yeah, where you can kind of, you know, look at it and you're like, well, okay, you know, like, because, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people didn't know anything about trans people until maybe, like, five years ago, because it's just people didn't know, and, you know, they didn't seek it out, but also just it wasn't there on a mainstream level where, like, you know, Sleepaway Camp was kind of an underground thing, like, you know, teeny boppers weren't seeing Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Uh, in a way that, like, The Predator, this is a triple-A, big-box Hollywood movie that happens to have some really toxic, shitty things about uh, people who are ASD. Uh, I'm giving the edge to Sleepaway Camp. Now, this is going to be wild. Mm-hmm. I would say Son of Dracula, the biggest boondoggle in horror <laughs> film history, is uh-huh. better than The Predator. God damn. All right, how and why? because Son of Dracula still has a plot that's more coherent. (laughs) Somehow, Son of Dracula is a modicum more uh, easy to follow than The Predator. But The the Predator has far more interesting scenes. Yeah, yeah. But at least Son of Dracula, Dracula, you can... Like, Son of Dracula, the plot is bad, but you can follow it, where it's like, all right, Harry Nilsson is the son of Dracula, and he wants to be human because he thinks a lady is pretty. Where Predator is just like, mm-hmm. There is no logic to this movie. It's just, and this is happening now, and now this is happening. <laughs> and that looks cool, but I don't know how we got here, or why we're where we're headed, or why. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, Keegan-Michael Key is delightful, so I feel like I want to give it the edge for that. Yeah, I actually feel really good about that going right underneath the Son of Dracula. Oh, man. Oofa-doofa. I'm so... dejected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... All right, so yeah, so coming in at our new number 336, above E-Demon and below Son of Dracula with Ringo Starr and Harry Nilsson is The Predator from 2018. May it rest in hell (laughs) bad bad movie in a very dumb and bad franchise this is easily the worst entry yeah it's very dumb and bad extremely bad um quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet our listeners can find us on almost every major social media platform we are on twitter with the handle at Rankin Vilecast. We are on Instagram at Rankin Vile. We are on Tumblr at Rankin Vile. We are on Letterboxd at Rankin Vile. Uh, we are on YouTube at Rankin Vilecast. 
Uh, we have a Gmail if you would like to send us a listener request or if you are a creator of ghoulish things and you'd like to advertise or get us to help you promote your project, please drop us a line at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Uh, we are also on Letterboxd, so uh, hit us up there at Just Rank and Vile. Um, yeah, if you have any movies that you would like us to talk about, I know we didn't get to any on this episode because we just fucking love Venom. Um, so let's say that you'll want us to do the final destination where Tony Todd is literally death. Uh, you're going to want to send that request. Please request that. Uh, you're going to want to send that request to uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com, or you're going to want to drop that in our ask box on Tumblr at uh, just rank and vile. Um, other than that, I, I can't think of anything else. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.